Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. This week, we get back to weekly programming. For the next few weeks, we'll be previewing the upcoming season. Many of you are probably even previewed out by now, but that's all we have to do for the next couple of weeks. Joining us in just a moment on our game day segment will be a first-time guest, new beat writer Austin Meeks from The Athletic Detroit. Before that, a few of my thoughts to get us rolling. Media Days is long over now and practice is underway, finally. As I mentioned at the top of the show, many of you have had enough of the previews and just want to see some action, and I'm right there with you. The first few weeks of fall camp are usually pretty quiet from a media perspective. We'll have more availability and hear more from the players and the coaching staff in the next couple of weeks, though. Our guest today has been covering college football for several years, first in his home state of Kansas, actually covering his alma mater, Kansas State, and for the last six years or so as a feature writer covering Oregon athletics out in Eugene. Up next is the new Michigan beat writer from the Athletic Detroit, Austin Meeks, here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment as we begin our previews uh, the next couple of weeks leading up to the opener is first-year Michigan beat writer Austin Meeks from the Athletic Detroit. Welcome aboard and welcome to the Michigan Beat. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Well, Austin, you've covered college sports for the Topeka Capital Journal, served as a columnist for the Register Guard in Eugene, Oregon. Give our listeners an overview of the, the road that led you to the Athletic and the Michigan Beat. Yeah, well, it, it's been kind of a winding road. I, uh, I grew up in a, a small town in Kansas. I went to school at Kansas State. My first job out of college uh, was as a beat writer covering uh, football and basketball at a paper in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, I covered Kansas State. Uh, I covered the University of Kansas uh, for a couple years. So uh, I got to cover Bill Snyder. Uh, I got to cover Charlie Weiss at Kansas. That was an interesting experience. Uh, <laughs> left that job and went out to Eugene, Oregon uh, to write about the Ducks as the columnist at the Register Guard. Spent six years there, had a, a, a wonderful time there. It was a great place uh, for me and, and my family. Um, certainly a very interesting program to cover at the University of Oregon, but I uh, was ready to do something new, had the opportunity to, to come out here to Ann Arbor and cover the Wolverines. It just felt like it was the right place and the right time for me. Well, you are brand new to the beach, just got into town in the last couple of weeks, so let's uh, start with this question. Uh, before you accepted the job, if someone asked you, what was your take on Michigan football? How would you answer that question? Well, I think if you if you cover sports and if you cover college football, there are a handful of programs uh, that just have that mystique about them, uh, where you think, boy, you know that 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 feels like the big time. Uh, and Michigan was one of those programs where if somebody had come to me and said, hey, how do you feel about covering Michigan? Now, there's not a lot of places in the country, I think. Um, that you'd rather be as as a beat writer. Uh, I just think you know this is a really fascinating place, and I in just the short time I've been here, I've had a chance to interact with a lot of Michigan fans, and I you know I know they're restless, and I know that um, you know there's an expectation here of winning championships, which is what you want. You know, as a beat writer, you want to 
cover a school um, that that is in the mix for all the big stuff. I, I think I think most anybody would say that is you know in this job, um, as you know, you, you know you don't root for the team in the same way that a fan would, uh, but certainly you know you you want to be on the big stage as a writer. You want to cover the big stuff, and I was fortunate when I was in Eugene to cover the college football playoff the very first year of the playoff when Oregon played in the Rose Bowl and then went on to the national championship game against Ohio State. Um, it was a great experience. It was one of the, the memories from, from my career that uh, will always be special to me, and that's the kind of stuff you want to do in this job. And I just felt like Michigan was one of the programs that uh, would have a, ch- have a chance to do that. I know the fans are ready for it. If, if it happens this year, I know there's going to be a lot of happy fans in Ann Arbor. And I'm guessing you haven't had a chance to meet Coach Harbaugh yet. Of course, uh, everyone in the country that is a college football fan or observer knows about Jim Harbaugh and has an opinion uh, about him. It's either they love him or they just don't like the guy. But uh, from the outside, what would you say is your impression of Coach Jim Harbaugh? You know, I met him briefly in in Chicago uh, at Big Ten Media Days. I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to to chat with him a little more in depth. Uh, You know, my... I think my perception from the outside was that he was one of the really interesting characters in college football. And one thing that we see, if you look around the country, um, a lot of coaches don't really say a whole lot. Um, it's kind of a day and age where having personality in that position sometimes works against you. A lot of guys are really hesitant to say anything that might be controversial. You know, they don't really... Uh, they don't really see much upside in, in saying anything to the media. It's kind of that Nick Saban effect, maybe, or the Bill Belichick effect. Uh, and one thing that I appreciate about Jim Harbaugh is it seems like he's a guy who's not afraid to say what's on his mind. Uh, as you mentioned, sometimes that does create a little bit of controversy. Um, you know, uh, probably a lot of people who don't agree with him all the time. Uh, I may not agree with him all the time. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But I appreciate the fact uh, that it seems like he's a guy who is willing um, to say what's on his mind and maybe say something that's a little bit controversial. In in my position as a writer who covers the team, I'd much rather deal with a coach uh, who's a little more outspoken um, than a coach who maybe talks a lot but doesn't say very much. I've been around a lot of those coaches in my career, and it, it, it gets a little bit monotonous. So you have a guy who's willing to shake things up once in a while, I don't think that's a bad thing. Well, Austin, last week, I think it was last week, you uh, you wrote a piece that was titled Two Stats That Could Tell the Story of Michigan's Offensive Makeover. For the sake of our listeners who aren't athletic subscribers, and shame on them, just rehash that for us. Yeah, well, obviously one of the big storylines uh, surrounding Michigan this year is, is the change in the offensive philosophy, the arrival of Josh Gaddis moving to the, the no-huddle, uh, speed-and-space offense with the heavy RPO element. Um, and I, I picked up right away that one of the big questions with this team is, how is that transition going to go? Because Jim Harbaugh's fingerprints have always been on the offense. Everywhere he's been, uh, it's been his offense, and he's been heavily involved in, in the execution of it. Um, so I, just, I spent a little bit of time looking back at his offenses and the other places he had been from San Diego to Stanford to the 49ers uh, and now to Michigan and and you do see some common themes in the offenses that he's run in those different places. Now there's been 
know, there, there's been differences too. You know, he had an offense in San Diego that led the FCS in passing yards in total offense. He had a running back at Stanford in Toby Gearhart who led the FBS in rushing and carries. Uh, so he's shown he's been able to adapt his offense to the personnel he's had in different places. But I, two of the common themes, I think, his offense has always been run first. Um, if you look at the, the run-pass splits, um, they always run the ball more than they throw. And, you know, in the years, I think, when when Jim Harbaugh really had the personnel that he wanted, it was as high as a, a 60-40 split run versus pass. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be interesting to see if that continues in the new offense, if, if they shift a little more, uh, maybe a little bit closer to a 50-50 run-pass split. Uh, and the other thing is, is tempo. And I would say that that has been really – one of the defining things about Jim Harbaugh's offense is that as as offenses have gotten faster, uh, Jim Harbaugh's offenses have uh, remained very methodical. If if you look at where they rank in tempo, uh, his last few teams at Michigan, they were in the you know, as as high as the 120 range in terms of their tempo. That's going to change, uh, and I'm really interested to see. You know, there's there's been a lot of discussion about they're going to be up tempo, they're going to be no huddle. I don't think we're talking about Oregon's tempo <laughs> like in the Chip Kelly days where they were going 100 miles an hour yeah. all the time. I think it's going to be more like you know, it's a tool in the tool bag that they can go fast when they want to go fast. But I'm really curious how that plays out and you know where where Michigan ends up. Uh, in those tempo rankings this year. Here with us on our game day segment this week as we start looking ahead to the uh, the opener, which is not that far away with Middle Tennessee State, is first-year Michigan beat writer Austin Meeks from the Athletic Detroit. Austin, last week you wrote a piece about the 20 most important players to Michigan this year. Let's just throw a couple of those names out there. I know you've probably um, seen them uh, on TV in the past and watched some tape on them, but some of the interesting names, I think True Wilson. Most of us as Michigan fans watched him last year and thought he's a nice complimentary back, really an incredibly good pass blocker, but you don't see him as a feature kind of a back. But at least right now, it sounds like Jim Harbaugh has him penned in as the number one back, doesn't it? Yeah, that was certainly the the impression that uh, that you came away with from media days, and obviously all that stuff is uh, is subject to change. But I I think that that running back position uh, it's really the the position on the offense that is maybe the most intriguing because you know you look at that offense they've got four starters back on the offensive line that should be one of the best units in the Big Ten if if not in the country. Uh, you know the talent of of the wide receiver position if those guys can stay healthy. Uh, there's no shortage of playmakers there. At the quarterback position with Shea Patterson is, is in good hands. It's really that running back position uh, that is probably the biggest question mark uh, for, for the Wolverines. And you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on Zach Charbonnet. That was a name that came up a lot at, at media days. Uh, you know, and whether he's ready to step in as a freshman and, and be the number one back, I think, is a big question. Christian Turner is a name that came up as, as a guy who has some potential but needs to stay healthy. Uh, but True Wilson just seems like he's kind of the, you know, the, the rock-solid guy there um, that, you know, maybe there's other guys who you know, have a higher ceiling or guys that, you know, came in with more recruiting hype. Um, but you need those guys on your team like Drew Wilson, you know, the guys who, who, who 
who know the system, um, who know the coaches, uh, who just are in the right place at the right time. And it seems like that's that's what he's done to work himself in a position to be you know, the guy to beat at this point. And maybe somebody will beat him out. Maybe maybe somebody will end up being the number one running back. Uh, that's not true, Wilson, but. Uh, he's at least put himself in position going into camp uh, to be a really big part of this offense. Let's talk about some of the other names you mentioned as being very important for the team this year. Uh, One that intrigues me is Ambry Thomas. He's a Detroit kid. A lot of us have seen a lot of him before he got to Michigan. I think a lot of us observed him in his high school days think he had big time written all over him uh, years and years ago. He really could be a key this year. Yeah, and in just getting myself familiar with Don Brown's defense, it certainly seems like there's there's a lot of pressure on, on the cornerbacks in this scheme to be able to, to play man-to-man. You need good cover corners in this scheme. Um, and you know, getting Levert Hill back is, was a big deal for this, for this team and this defense because you've got a guy you know, that, that you can count on at one of those corner spots. And if Ambry Thomas can step in and uh, lock down that other spot, then that really will, will bode well for this defense. But it seems like from the sounds of it, um, he's had a a health issue that has kind of been a question mark in terms of what his availability will be for camp and as we get into the season. Uh, But just as I was studying up on him and watching the the highlight of the kickoff return against Notre Dame, uh, obviously he's an explosive player, Uh, one of the fastest guys on the team. Um, You know, it would be a great thing for Michigan if if he ends up being healthy and good to go and able to step in and lock down that corner spot because it's such an important play, piece on this defense. Another player we're going to hear a lot about, we've already heard a lot about him, is a safety Daxton Hill. He's a freshman. I think most of us are hesitant to make predictions with freshmen, but it seems as if a lot of people, even outside of the Michigan program, expect him to be an early contributor, Austin expectations are really really high for this kid aren't they yeah absolutely I, I think that that is you know that that is the name in terms of a freshman who could come in and make an impact right away uh, Dax Hill is is the guy and he's got all the tools to play right away and you know, as you know it's you know for all freshmen it's an adjustment mm-hmm. and it's not just about the physical abilities there's a lot that goes in to being ready to play right away, but everything I hear about this guy is that he's one of those freshmen who could step in from day one and make a big impact. You know, the speed is the thing that that jumps out with him, uh, and you know, and, and that's what the Wolverines need. You know, speed at the back end of that defense. Um, you know that there's in that secondary there are some questions and some guys they have to replace, and so if Dax Hill is is ready right away, you know, man, that's such a huge thing for this team to be able to plug in a, a guy with his talent and his speed from day one. Uh, I, I think he really could make a big impact. Another player that we're going to be hearing from this year is Dylan McCaffrey, very, very talented young quarterback. Jim Harbaugh sort of raised some eyebrows in media days when he said he'd like to see him get minutes in every game. And of course, some fans started jumping to the conclusion is uh, that are we talking about a two quarterback system? time sharing what is it but Jim wants to get him in he's just too good I think to keep off the field they do need to get him some minutes well yeah I mean the bloodlines are (laughs) when you think about the McCaffrey family you know I I watched uh, Christian McCaffrey at Stanford Um, you know you can understand why 
Dylan McCaffrey is a guy that Michigan would want to get on the field somehow. Uh, that just makes sense. Even if you have a starting quarterback, as Michigan does, in Shea Patterson that you trust, that is clearly your number one guy, it could maybe even be you know, a, a dark horse Heisman Trophy type candidate. Um, even so, it makes sense uh, to try to involve Dylan McCaffrey somehow. Uh, it's you know it's a tricky thing with quarterbacks, and I've seen this play out you know, at so many different places where you need depth uh, at your quarterback position. You need uh, a backup quarterback who's capable of stepping in and being ready to play if needed. But it's really hard to keep those guys because, of course, everybody wants to be the starting quarterback. Um, and uh, you know I've seen it time and time again where. A team ends up with two really good quarterbacks, uh, and then one of them ends up going somewhere else because you want to be the starter. Um, so it it just makes sense in this day and age of football that if you've got two good quarterbacks, you find a way to keep them both involved. And it sounds like that's what Michigan is going to do. Uh, you know, Dylan McCaffrey brings something to the table that uh, that can be a huge asset for Michigan. And how exactly that plays out. And how they use him, and you know how many snaps per game he ends up getting. We'll we'll see how that evolves over the course of the season because clearly Jay Patterson is the number one quarterback. But I do think Dylan McCaffrey is a weapon, and I do think that they're smart to try to find a way to use him. Well, let's talk about this receiving core for just a couple of minutes, Austin, uh, which really has not been healthy and intact in the last couple of years. Let's start with Nico Collins, and he seems to me to be a forgotten receiver in this really outstanding group. I know you haven't seen much of him yet, Austin, but you've been around long enough to hear this. The kid has massive potential, and if you've talked to anyone on the staff, they rave about Nico Collins. It really could be a big year for him. It should be. You know, when I was researching that list, the staff that jumped out to me about Nico Collins is uh, he led all returning receivers in the Big Ten in a uh, that called contested catch rate by a huge margin, uh, which basically means you know, even if he's covered, even if he's got a defender right there, uh, he's coming down with the ball a lot of the time. And you know, at six foot four, if you've got a guy with great hands who could go up and get it, that is a huge, a huge weapon in an offense. So clearly, you know, he's got all the potential in the world, uh, and I, I think all of those guys, you know. When you talk about the arrival of Josh Gaddis and the track record of Josh Gaddis and the receivers that he's coached in different places, I'm not sure there's a position group on the team that stands to benefit more than, than that receivers group. So, uh, you know, when you look at the talent and the potential that's there, um, you know, and, and the opportunity for those guys uh, who have, you know, have played well uh, but maybe have the opportunity to take it to another level, um, certainly, Nico Collins is one of the guys that you put in that group. Well, over on the defensive side of the ball, as everyone knows, we lost a lot of talent to the uh, NFL, but Don Brown has a very deep talent pool to choose from. So let's talk about some of the names you hear the coaching staff uh, mention often. The first one is um, a kid I know they've been a high on for a long time, Dearborn Divine Child sophomore Aiden Hutchinson. He, of course, is a Michigan legacy The coaches love talking about this kid. His motor just keeps running, and he's getting big. Looked good in limited action last year, but you do hear a lot of talk about him. Yeah, I think another one of the big themes that we'll hear this year with 
with the Wolverines is how do they replace those stars that they lost uh, on defense? Guys like Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich. Uh, and I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a big part of that. You know, the impression that, um, that we got from media day and from looking back at what was said in the spring that he's going to have an opportunity to really step in there at that defensive end spot and, and be an anchor for this team. And that's, that's what they need. I, I think that that, that defensive line and that front seven is going to be really interesting. Um, they're not going to have the star power that they had last year, but I think that the coaches feel like they have the depth and they have the options to be able to, to mix and match a little bit. You know, it's not going to all come from one or two guys. It's going to come from a bunch of guys uh, and, and hopefully putting those players in, in situations where they can succeed. So, you know, it, 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 it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a learning process initially uh, because they are going to have some guys that are being asked to step into bigger roles than what they've done in the past. Uh, but it does seem like, you know, the coaches have, have confidence that those guys are going to, when they get that opportunity, that they're going to make the most of it. I think Aiden Hutchinson is a good example of that. There are quite a few players, as, as you just mentioned, are going to be asked to step into bigger roles this year. Uh, one of them is Josh Uche, who the coaches just love. He's been a great situational player in the last couple of years, but Don Brown has asked the question himself, can he be an every-down player? And that's a legitimate question because he's going to be counted on a lot. Yeah, he was one of the really interesting guys when I started you know, just watching some of the games from last year. He's a guy who just jumps off the screen uh, with his ability to rush the quarterback. And he's kind of the prototype. If you look at NFL-type pass rushers, they look a lot like that. Yeah. Um, and I think the question is, as you mentioned, you know, can he developed this year into being not just a you know a third down situational pass rusher but a guy who can be on the field all the time a guy who can drop back in coverage um, a guy who can hold his own against the run and a guy who can get in the backfield and, and put pressure on the quarterback because if he can do all of those things then the sky's the limit because he's got all of the physical tools that you want in a guy who plays his position. And another player who has incredible physical tools is Quiddy Pay. When you watch him, he jumps off the screen at you too. He had to log a lot of minutes last year because of injuries. Expectations also very high for him, Austin. Yeah, I was reading, uh, so Bruce Feldman from The Athletic, who I think is, mm -hmm. is the best college football writer out there, uh, he wrote the state of the program on Michigan last spring, uh, and I've spent a lot of time looking back at that because it, it was so thorough, and Quiddy Pay was the guy that he mentioned uh, as the potential breakout star on this defense, and, and you hear that from a lot of people, that uh, if there's one guy that, that the coaches are really excited about, it's Quiddy Pay. Uh, so I put him pretty high on that, on that list of the most important players because um, you know, the potential is there for him to take such a huge step forward. I think he had uh, maybe five and a half tackles for loss last year. I think that's a number that I, people think could be a lot higher. I think he could end up being a guy who's, who's really disruptive, who's, who's in the backfield a lot. Because, um, you know, the, the development from day one uh, when he got there to now, um, you know, I, it sounds like he's a guy who came in really raw. Um, you know, with 
with a really high ceiling, but a lot of work to do to get there. Uh, and now he's finally you know, at that place where he's poised to have a really big breakout season. Another player we have to mention is Kalik Hudson, one of my favorite guys in this team. He, he really is out of central casting when it comes to a Viper and Don Brown's defense. And I know these guys are somewhat new to you, Austin, but it doesn't take being here long before you hear this, that he is the key to this defense in many people's opinions. Do you have any early impressions of what you've seen uh, of him on tape? You know, it was it was nice to be able to uh, to talk with him in depth at media day, uh, and I came away really impressed with the the perspective that he had going into his senior year and the candor, you know, to say that last year was not the year that he wanted. Had such a great sophomore year, led the Big Ten in tackles for loss. You know, had a, had a good season last year, uh, but but not individually the season that he wanted to have. And so he was really motivated to come back this year as a senior and, and finish it strong. Um, that Viper position is so fascinating. Uh, when you look at what Michigan wants to do defensively, uh, to have somebody who can do so many different things, which is really the key you know, in, in this era of football because you face offenses who do such a variety of, of things. Um, you know, you've got to defend a team like Army that's going to run the triple option and run it 80% of the time. You've got to defend teams that want to spread it out and throw it all over. You've got to be versatile, and you've got to have a scheme you know, that, that allows you to defend those different things uh, with, with some of the same guys. So Kalik Hudson is really the key to that because he's a guy who can get in the backfield, who can rush the quarterback, who can, can play safety, can play corner. Uh, he can, really can do everything, and obviously that's a huge key to what Michigan wants to do defensively, uh, and just you know the experience for him of having played this position now for two years. Uh, I think he's going into his senior year in a really good place uh, with with the experience and also the motivation uh, to want to finish this strong, to want to bounce back from last year and get back to some of what he showed a couple years ago when he really was one of the, the most disruptive players in the Big Ten. Well, final question for you, Austin. I mean, we've talked about a lot of key players, and a lot of these guys do have to step up this year, but Shea Patterson has to be the straw that stirs the drink. This is his offense. Does Michigan go as far as he takes them, or is that putting maybe just a little bit too much on him? You know, I have him number one on the list of the, the most important players. And that seems kind of obvious, you know, yeah, well, you know, he's, of course the quarterback is, I think for every team, the guy who, you know, who is make or break in terms of how far you go. Uh, but I, I really think, especially for Michigan, because of this offensive change in philosophy, Jim Harbaugh was pretty clear that the reason that, that they did this, the reason that Josh Gaddis is here was because this scheme fits the quarterbacks. Uh, it's all about running a, a system that allows your quarterback to thrive because your quarterback is the guy who uh, touches the ball on every snap. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that Michigan would have done any of this with its offense if there wasn't a really high level of confidence that Shea Patterson uh, was going to thrive in this system. So, it certainly, it's a little bit of a, a gamble. They're rolling the dice a little bit uh, to bring in this new scheme to do something different from what they've done. You know, it's a gamble that the returning players are going to be able to adapt and, 
and excel in this scheme, but they wouldn't have done it if they didn't have confidence that it was going to help Shea Patterson. So as, as I said in the piece, if Michigan has a great year, if all of these expectations come true, uh, if, if this is the year that Michigan breaks through and wins the Big Ten and, and makes it to the college football playoffs, I don't think any of that stuff happens unless Shea Patterson has a great year. With us on our game day segment this week as we get the ball rolling in August, previewing the upcoming season is first-year Michigan beat writer Austin Meeks from The Athletic Detroit. And check out The Athletic. Uh, We'll put the link up on our show notes. Very talented writer, so we look forward to your take on Michigan football as the season progresses and look forward to having you back. All right, great. Thanks for having me on. I feel like I got the pop quiz here, but hopefully I passed, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting around the team and uh, seeing where this goes this year. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Jim Harbaugh continues to praise his team in the media whenever he gets a chance. This week on the Pardon My Take podcast, he said he feels good about his team and referred to the upcoming season as a bold beginning. On that same show, he said despite losing a lot of talent on defense, most of it to the NFL, there is still plenty to work with. He said fans are going to be surprised just how good this defense is going to be. Chase Winovich is in town this week with his new team. The Patriots and Lions will be playing on Thursday. A local media guy asked Bill Belichick for his thoughts on Winovich, and he said Chase has a lot of work to do, needs to improve in every facet of his game, but he looks forward to watching him compete. His teammate Tom Brady was asked by Brad Galley from WXYZ-TV Detroit what he thought of Michigan's chances this year. His answer was short and to the point, go blue, and got to beat Ohio State this year, and I think we can all say amen to that. We're just weeks away from the start of the season, and if you don't already, make sure you have our free show app from the Google Play or iTunes stores. We're also available this year on Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, and now Radio.com. That will do it for another week. Again, we're back on our weekly schedule now, so don't forget to join us again next week as we continue to preview the upcoming season. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go blue.